uh, those other things are actually just with this Christmas crash, this happens uh, when our hopes and our dreams and our expectations for Christmas don't go as well as we'd hoped that they would. And you're wrapping up uh, or you're, you're getting rid of all of the wrapping and everything that's kind of scattered to all four, four corners of the house. And, and you're trying to get rid of those things. You're bringing the garbage out. You're, you're looking at the tree and you're like, oh, I've got to take you out of my house. I've got to, I've got to put all those decorations. I've got to get back on the ladder to go take those decorations off of the house. How am I going to get those into the box? I don't even know how that was fit. Was they... Right? And you find yourself in this Christmas crash. Have you guys ever felt that? Well, today what we're going to look at is why we have that Christmas crash and how our culture has created this, this mentality that we feel like we need to buy into. We need to find that perfect gift. We need to get that perfect dinner. We need to get the entire family together. And when somebody cancels and they can't make it, and you're like, we were supposed to have everybody here, right? And then things don't go the way that we hope. And I think that the reason why that's the case, I think that's the reason why, or that the reason why we have this, this Christmas crash is that we put all of our hope, all of our desires, all of our dreams into something that isn't the focus of Christmas. Right? We have this expectation that the things that we're going to do are going to create happiness. But that's not what this holiday is even about. And, and there is a conspiracy that happens a long, ago, long time ago, uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this. But when the time had fully come, or when the time was perfect, when the time was right, right just at the right time, God sent his son, uh, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive full rights of sons. The whole reason why... Uh, Christmas happened is so that we could be sons and daughters of God. That we can have a relationship with the Father. So that we can have the adoptive rights that uh, we didn't deserve but God wanted to give to us anyways. And when the time was right, there was a plan that was in place, a secret plan that was in place between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of how this was going to come about. Is that a conspiracy? You betcha. God had a plan, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, before you were even created in the beginning. He had this plan just for us to be able to acknowledge that that God is God and that he has a plan of redemption. We actually see this in uh, John 1. And so our our scripture that we're going to be looking at is in John 1 today. I didn't give you any notes, I'm sorry. Uh, I think you should be able to follow along. It should be fairly simple. But I want you guys to be able to, to know uh, that this isn't something I'm just making up. I don't want you to, to feel that like I'm trying to crush your Christmas dreams and hopes. Uh, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to destroy anything. This is from what I, I read as I, I look at John. And uh, in John 1, verses... One through three, we find a great truth. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and before we get too far, uh, the Word here, there's a philosophical reason why they use the word Word. We're not going to talk about that. 
if you want to have a conversation with me afterwards, we can talk about that, but not today, another day. Uh, what we're going to be looking at is how uh, Jesus has a plan to, to redeem us. And the word here that they use for the word is uh, whenever you see that, just think Jesus. Uh, that's how John's describing him. So in the beginning was the word, or in the beginning was Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. We see, the first thing that we see is that Jesus is God. Very clearly stated here, uh, using the analogy of the word. That the word was with God, and the word was God. <laughs> he was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, even before, and I, he, the illusion they're, they're creating, they're, they're, they're leading you to, is in the beginning of creation. When, when creation was started, Jesus was there. So everything that we see, Jesus is the source of that creation. We are the source of that creation. And so God created us, and Jesus is God. Jesus is with God, and he created us. My, my daughter's got this down. We've been praying, uh, and some of her prayers lately have been this. God, thank you for the door. Thank you for the stairs. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the table. Thank you, right? And she goes through, like, everything that she's thankful for. And did somebody craft the door, and did somebody else install it? Yes, but if it wasn't for God, would it be there? No. And so everything that's been created, the source of creation is Jesus. And so as we're thinking about uh, this passage, I want us to understand that Jesus is God. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus created everything that we see, everything uh, that we get to enjoy, everything we get to experience. Jesus had a hand in that creation. And that shows how great he is. Jesus is God. Verses 4 and 5, uh, we see that not only is Jesus playing a role in creation, he's playing a role in the redemption of humanity. Because when we made uh, the choice to sin, when Adam and Eve chose to sin, and when, uh, when we were born, we were born into that sin, when that happened, there needed to be some sort of redemption to happen to humanity. The darkness needed the light to be shown upon it, or we would have no hope. And throughout history, God has promised hope, and it, uh, we see that in verse 4 and 5. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is the source of hope. So not only is he the source of hope, he's the source of uh, the hope of redemption. And the only way that we can experience that is if God revealed that to us, if God did that to us. God showed that to us. If, the only way that we could be created is if God created us. The only way that we could experience this redemption is if the, God extended his hand to bring about redemption. Jesus is God. And if we don't have Jesus at the center of our Christmas, uh, we are going to be sorely 
disappointed because he's the source of life and he's uh, the source of the hope of redemption. But there's something that happens here that is so, uh, so amazing. This, this plan of, of, uh, of redemption, this plan to bring about hope, this secret plan that wasn't revealed to everybody, but it was only revealed uh, to some and is now being revealed to, to all. We see in verse 14 that this, this uh, conspiracy, this Christmas conspiracy, was for Jesus to become less. Jesus, mind you, is God, right? Jesus is the source of life. He's the source of the hope of redemption. And the plan, this Christmas conspiracy, this plan was for Jesus to become less. In verse 14, it says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, divinity. I want you to see this contrast. Jesus, divinity, all-powerful, takes on human flesh. Born, born as a baby, had to be cared for. Jesus is God, and yet he was so humbled that he couldn't even change his own diaper, right? Jesus had to be cared for. Jesus is God, and he became human. He took on flesh. The Christmas conspiracy was for Jesus to bring about this redemption by becoming less. Now, did he get rid of his divinity? No. But he took on humanity, and by taking on humanity, he became less. It's kind of evident, too, as you read through, we're not going to read through the entire first chapter of John, but if you were to read through it, you would see that Jesus wasn't even, uh, there wasn't this grand fanfare of Jesus coming. There had to be a guy named John the Baptist who had to proclaim that Jesus was coming. The, the, the Messiah, he's on his way. He's here. He's coming, right? And the Messiah wasn't even uh, assumed to be Jesus. Much of Jesus' life, uh, he was misunderstood. God all-powerful, source of life, the person that could bring about hope of redemption became human, added flesh, and was misunderstood. Divinity became humanity. And in that, Jesus, the plan, this conspiracy, this conspiracy that uh, people didn't even, weren't even a, a part of, the secret plan that was brought about that completely stumped Satan, this conspiracy brought about Christmas, Jesus being born. Now, it's kind of an interesting thing to, to, to see this because we see that uh, he was, the, the circumstances that Jesus was born, it wasn't even uh, a spectacular circumstance. He was born in a small town, in a small country, in the Middle East. He was born in a borrowed stable. 
wasn't a bedroom. It wasn't a, a, a place where they were uh, caring for him. It was a borrowed stable. And the only people that came to visit him were people who were foreigners that were from far off lands. They came because of a story that they heard secondhand, right? And, and, and this uh, shepherd boy, right, that, that came to, to, to see Jesus. And there wasn't grand fanfare. Jesus became less over Christmas. And so my uh, encouragement for us as we read this, as we see how this comes about, is that my encouragement is for us to conspire to being less for Christmas. Make it less about us. Make it less about giving the perfect gift. Make it less about uh, creating the, in the perfect environment. Make it less about uh, having the, the perfect happiness. And make it more about Jesus. Now, how do we do this? How uh, do we how do we do this this simplicity? Because if you look at John one, you see that there is a simplicity in Christmas. But if you look at the media, if you look at uh, traditions, and I'm, I, I hope I don't crush your traditions. This isn't about traditions. I, I don't want this to be about tradition. I don't want you going home thinking that you need to go burn your Christmas tree and, and, and uh, start uh, a revolt against Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, in Christmas, in this Christmas story, there was a move towards simplicity. And when we move towards simplicity in our own Christmas and we focus on Christ and the meaning of Christmas and less about all of the other things that we do that can sometimes distract us from the, uh, the true focus of Christmas, then Jesus can be elevated. When Jesus becomes the, becomes the center of this and it's less about what we can provide, then Jesus is elevated. Uh, it's kind of a crazy thing when you look at statistics, Right? Uh, statistics are ridiculous uh, on Christmas. Have you guys ever looked into Christmas statistics? The average American spends 800, well, okay, so we have been spending increasingly more over the last few years, uh, but it's expected. Gallup did a poll, and they they expect that people spend 800, uh, every adult will spend $830 on Christmas this year. Every adult American will spend $830. So, if you got a couple of, couple of adults in your household, that's $1,650. That's the average in America. That's, that's a lot of money. And some of you are thinking, like, well, that's because they keep on telling you to buy those luxury cars, and there's somebody who's buying that luxury car for, for Christmas, and that's not me, right? But if that is you, if you want to share with me, no, just kidding. <laughs> I don't, I've never seen that. It seems crazy. Uh, but... $830 is spent. That's, so if you, if you pull that all together, the average in America is to spend $600 billion on Christmas this year. That's between six and $700 billion. I even gave you the low number, right? $600 billion. And here's to help you gain perspective on this. 
There are humanitarian groups who have done studies that say for, 40, or for $30 billion, the world hunger problem can be wiped out every year. $30 billion a year, we can wipe out world hunger. $10 billion could provide clean water around the world. There are so many people who die from uh, malnutrition and lack of clean water around the world. And it would cost $40 billion to wipe that out. We spend 15 times that. Americans spend 15 times that on Christmas every year. It's mind-blowing, right? So how, how do we conspire to being less for Christmas? Uh, for some, uh, it's like uh, our, our, our missionary at, at this church, Maureen Ladoche, who works with Widow's Might. Right? In 1994, there was, uh, in the 90s, there was a mass genocide in Rwanda. And, and it kind of hit Uganda and Tanzania, which is uh, in, in Congo. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, a lot of adults died in that because of uh, who they associated with and their, uh, their height. Uh, a few other physical features. Because of that, they died. And there were tons of orphans who uh, were established in, during those days because their parents were killed. And so the orphans uh, had to fend for their own life. And so Maureen Ladoche and, uh, and other missionaries uh, in, in Rwanda and, and Uganda have uh, cared for these orphans, knowing that they had nobody there to care for them. And so over their Christmases, and as, as Rob mentioned, our, our missionaries, we need to be praying for them over this holiday season because they're out doing their, their missions during these holiday seasons as well. And Maureen, or Mo, sorry, I keep saying Ma Maureen, is Monique. Uh, Monique uh, has been working with Widow's Might who, now that these orphans are adults, haven't been trained in how to uh, bring about a sustainable income. Their parents, who would normally give them training on how to sew, on how to, to, to weave baskets, how to do uh, normal uh, activities and jobs, they haven't been given those skills. And so, during uh, their... Uh, her time out there, she saw this great need to care for these orphans who are now young adults who need to learn how to do some normal skills so that they can provide income. And so uh, we support Monique in the things that she does. We support uh, other missionaries around the world who are doing things during this holiday season. They're doing things uh, even when it's not the holidays, to bring about the good news of Jesus Christ around the world, and that's proclaiming the gospel as well as caring for the widows, caring for the orphans, caring for uh, those who are in need. How do we contrast that? When you think about people who are caring for those people who are in need, and all it would take is a little bit of clean water, a little bit of shelter, a little bit of food, how do you contrast that with $600 billion that we spend in America on Christmas? Well, here's my encouragement for you guys. What if during Christmas, and 
just during Christmas? What if during Christmas, instead of buying another gift for that person that, that you're a coworker with, you know they're going to give you a gift card, so you're like, I got to give them a gift card. Or maybe it's your relative, your brother-in-law, and you're like, I know he's going to give me a gift card, so I got to give him a gift card, and it better be the same amount that he gives me, or I'm going to feel like he's, he's uh, slighting me a little bit, right? What if instead of that, for one of your gifts, one of your gifts this year, you provide for somebody who's in need. And we're going to help you to be able to do that. Um, In this envelope, don't open it yet. In this envelope, there are three different uh, opportunities we have for you to be able to serve. And instead of giving uh, a gift to others, instead of uh, giving a gift that might be just obligatory, that you feel obligated to give this gift. I want you to think through how Christmas is designed. And Heidi and I, the reason why I'm telling you this is that a few years ago, uh, Heidi and I were uh, smacked upside the head by these truths when, uh, when we, before we had children. And we thought, you know, it would be great if instead of just establishing these traditions in our, our children's lives, we change who we are before we have kids, right? <laughs> Which uh, was very hard, uh, but not nearly as hard as establishing different values when you already have kids in, uh, in the household who've already been expecting Christmas to be a certain way. So what we did is that uh, we would normally do a gift exchange with my family and with my brother and uh, my parents and with my wife's family. What we did for Christmas that year is that instead of doing that uh, normal year, here's a gift card, here's a gift card, we donated a gift in their name to different organizations around the world. There's a, there's a lot of great organizations. One of them is Compassion uh, International. It's a, a great uh, organization that cares for children who are in need. Uh, Heidi and I have been supporting a child through Compassion since uh, we got married, and it's been really fun. She's uh, almost an adult now, which is crazy. Um, so that means we're getting old. Uh, and uh, Compassion sent me something a few weeks ago that said, hey, there's a lot of kids who are in need this year. Uh, They don't have somebody supporting them, but compassion is still supporting them anyways because we saw the need and we're going to fulfill it even if we don't have the the ability to do that. But we are hoping that maybe you could help support them too. And so we're not asking you to to do this for a long period of time, but maybe during the holiday season you could make a donation to compassion to care for these children who are being cared for by compassion but don't have regular supporters. There's another organization called Southside Pregnancy Center that we support around here uh, for moms uh, and for dads who are uh, not planning to have a child and uh, get pregnant. And uh, they help to redirect the focus of thinking that the only option might be to abort and that the other options out there are that there are people who are willing to help with adoption, and that there are other people who are there who are willing to support you and help you so that you might be able to change the view of what your life should look like in the future. And so Southside Pregnancy Center is a great organization we've been working with in the, in the, in, within local missions. 
And also we have missionaries like Monique and we have missionaries across the world that are doing some uh, amazing things. So in this envelope, in this envelope, uh, instead of giving a gift to, to one person, don't open it yet, Instead of giving a gift to one person that you would feel just obligated to give, my encouragement for you is to give a gift to somebody who really needs it. And you can give the person that you would normally give a gift the knowledge that the gift that they were, you were going to give to them, you gave to somebody else. And as a result, somebody was cared for. And in their honor, in the honor of the person that you would normally give this obligatory gift to, you, they have helped babies and orphans and widows and young moms and people who are in need locally and across the nation, across the world. So if you guys want to participate in this, you can. What I'm asking you to do is in here there is one secret task. There, uh, it's different for everybody. Not, well, I guess not everybody, but there's a couple of different things that you can do. Our children actually uh, have been working on writing cards to our active military, Christmas cards to our active military who are serving uh, abroad. And so uh, if you have a Christmas card for uh, that your, your children have been, been making. Uh, Liz is going to be up in the front, so after the service, she's got a job to do. Uh, if you guys have a Christmas card from her, uh, you want to drop it off there, or if you want to help with uh, sending out Christmas cards to our active military, that's one of the things that you can do. But our middle school and high school students have been working feverishly to create uh, Christmas ornaments, uh, and those ornaments are actually at the welcome desk. And what we're asking you to do, for some, you have uh, a responsibility for uh, Southside Pregnancy Center. For others, you have a responsibility for Compassion International. And for others, you have a responsibility, if you choose, to to participate in this task, to go to the Welcome Center and uh, help with missions uh, of Oaklawn Bible Church. And so we have an ornament for the missions that you can give as a token to the person that you are donating the funds to. Uh, But if that's what you have in here, that's where you go. If you have Compassion or you have Southside Pregnancy Center, there's a table directly in the back. So you walk out the center, there's a table directly in the back. Where the coat racks would be, just go back there and you can go to there. Uh, And uh, if you have a child who has a Christmas card uh, for our active military. Liz is going to be up in the front here. Dan uh, was asking me, he was like, what do you hope comes about from this message? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't expect you guys to completely change the way you do Christmas this year. We have a week, right? (laughs) You can't change how you're going to do Christmas. I don't want you to add on to it. I don't want you to go into debt because you think that you need to create this special uh, moment too. I do want us to be able to change our perspective, though. And maybe next year things will be different, and maybe even this year things will be different. One of the things that uh, my wife even suggested is uh, that instead of actually asking people to give this gift, maybe they ask somebody 
for when they ask what they want for Christmas, that for you to be able to say, I want you to care for widows and orphans and uh, people who are really in need because I'm not. So here's a great organization. <laughs> there you go. But if you want to participate in this and becoming, uh, conspiring to being less this Christmas, I'd love for you to open this today. And if you don't, uh, please don't just, there are some compassion children in here. There are pictures of some kids in compassion. When, as you're leaving, just uh, actually just leave it right in your pew if that's what you want to do. That's, and I, I don't fault you any at all if that's, if that's where you feel. Uh, just, just leave it at, at the pew as you, as you walk out. That's completely fine. I'm going to go around because we need to make sure that these kids uh, are being cared for. Um, but if you choose to, uh, I'd love for you to open this today. I'd love for you to be able to do that. So now you can open the letter. You can open that. You can open your mission. You can see what's inside. Jesus, that's a great sound, by the way. I love hearing that. Jesus is God. But Jesus didn't stick with his divinity and say they're on their own. Instead, he conspired to being less for Christmas, and he took on human flesh. And my encouragement is for us to conspire less this Christmas. So uh, if you guys, when you open this, you have any questions, I'm going to be at the Welcome Center uh, working with the missions one. Uh, if you have any questions with that, talk to me. If you have any questions with the others, uh, go to the other desk. Uh, or to the, the table that's straight in the back. But here's one last thing that I want you to consider. This is radical, right? Um, first, I think we need to understand that these conversations are value-driven. It's not about crushing traditions. It's not stopping what we always do. It's about changing our values, right? The second thing is that your way of celebrating doesn't need to be extended families. They might not understand what you're doing. That's okay. You can't force them to be on board with this. And even within that, your path, uh, the path your family is on isn't where everyone else is at. Okay? So the path your family is on can uh, be different than the person that's sitting in the pew next to you. And it can be different than your neighbor. And it's going to be different than uh, your coworkers. And you can't force them to do the things that you're doing because your heart is, a, is in a different place than theirs is. And it doesn't mean that yours is better than theirs. The last thing is include children into your conversations. Don't just unilaterally say, all right, we're slashing Christmas. I'm returning all the presents. You got nothing this year. I gave it all the kids who really needed it. Right. Uh, talk to them. Because here's the cool thing. When you involve your kids into these discussions, and I'm not just saying your children, like your little kids. I'm talking about even your adult kids. When you involve them into what you're doing, saying, hey, I really want to uh, give seeds to some farmers in, uh, in, in Africa who could use this to create crops this year. And if they can do that, then they can have a, a, a real uh, income. And that's much better than anything you can give me, right? If we include our kids into this, they can be part of this as well. 
their participation is exciting. And so uh, my encouragement is to be able to, to do that, but include your, your kids in this. There's actually an Advent conspiracy. Uh, it's Christmas conspiracy. Like I was thinking that's a good idea for a, a sermon title. Tons of people have done this already. <laughs> There's actually an organization called Advent Conspiracy that has a website that I got some family devotionals that I, I have in the back too at the, the, the table in the back. So if you want to do things with your kids, that's for younger kids. Uh, but if you want to do that with them, I encourage you to do that. Grab one of those. It changes the way that you think about Christmas. Conspire to be less this Christmas. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, for helping us to uh, see your uh, impact on Christmas, that you had a plan, you had a secret plan to change the way that we think and the way that we see uh, your interaction with humanity, that Jesus took on flesh, and as a result, he changed and altered the course of history forever. I pray, God, that we wouldn't make Christmas something that it's not because we're always going to be disappointed when we do. But instead, we make Christmas what it is, focusing on Jesus and cutting some of the other things out so that we can elevate Jesus in our plans. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.